This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast for the week of November 5th. I'm your host, William Blue. I'm joined on the line by Vivek. What's good? Uh, nothing much, man. Just watching uh, the Nets give the 76ers a beatdown. Mm. So, enjoying that. Um, yeah, I think we're going to talk about who's real and who's not a bit later. But, yeah, yeah. it's fun to see this right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, losing to the Nets, that's... Uh... It's kind of embarrassing right now. I'm gonna say, although the Nets, you know, they, they they have some moderate talent. Shout out Karis Levert; he's actually living up to promise this year. I feel like, but um, let's talk about the Raptors first off. Um, currently, they're eight and one. We're recording this uh, right before they play the Lakers. There's gonna be no Kawhi Leonard. Um, I know everyone's really concerned about the Kawhi Leonard injury statuses and him being in and out of the lineup, but let's be real; they're gonna play it safe with him. And this is just kind of where it's at. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if he has a small minor injury, he's probably going to be cautious about it, especially in the year. And after right. jamming his foot, seems like he's going to sit up. And also, it's a back-to-back. So, who knows? Maybe they're just sitting him out in the first half of the back-to-back. But, um, yeah, it is what it is. And so, the one thing I do want to ask you about mm-hmm. is the one thing that has been, not to, you know, directly compare Kawhi and LeBron, but... Um, with LeBron, you know, one thing he's been known to do is like test his coaches mm. um, and be like, you know, when is this guy going to push back at me? When is he going to like show conviction in his ideas or his beliefs or whatever? So I just wonder at one point, do the Raptors sort of say, you know, we understand your concerns, but, you know, at, at any point, do you push back and say, you know, I think we need you to go now. With Kawhi, I mean, I think there has to be an urgent need for it, right? Like, you don't want to just push him for the sake of pushing him. Um, for sure. And I think right now it's, like, a little bit early for that. I, I think the scenario I'm envisioning is, like, um, there's a big game coming up. Like, let's say the Raptors are playing the Celtics in April. Like, right after the All-Star break, it's like, okay, the season gets real. And it's, like, the first half mm-hmm. of a back-to-back or something like that. They don't actually have the schedule. This is just, like, a hypothetical scenario. But, like, that's yep. a scenario where I'm like, yo, Kawhi. I know we've we've done this little rest thing, but we need you to come out and be strong for both these games back to back. It's very important for the franchise. Yeah, and I think those are the moments you probably challenge them. I mean, I think honestly, if they're going to be a strong regular season team, and so far it seems you know that way, they're eight and one. Um, mm-hmm. There's no like huge need to like get up for any of these games. Like, there's like some games you got to really get up for, but like honestly, in October and November, like everyone just writes this off and forgets it. Like. By the end of the season, we're not going to be talking about that Celtics win where Kawhi was phenomenal, had 15 points in the third quarter. Like, we're not going to talk about that, right? So, of course, yeah. Nothing to push him now. But, like, yeah, I think later on in the year you do have to, right? Because um, it's just sort of the natural – I mean, if we're going to talk about, you know, being sharp going into the playoffs and everything's about the playoffs, then 
yeah, you got to be yeah. sharp heading into the playoffs. But I don't know. Right now, not so much. I mean, I mean, what do you think? I mean, just even as just like a putting aside like covering the team and stuff, just as a fan, like, is there a bit of dissonance for you when you watch Kawhi and you're like, man, if anything goes on, he goes wrong, he might sort of choose himself over the team. Not like it's selfish; it's completely understandable. But do you, does that make you feel kind some sort of dissonance? Um, not necessarily. I think. In terms of the big picture, I get it. Mm-hmm. The, like he's coming off of nine games. You look at the history of what's happened with Isaiah Thomas and his situation. Yeah. Like players have understood the value of their brand, mm-hmm. um, and they're going to market themselves as such. So he's already shown, uh, you know, even with missing a couple games, that he's back to being one of the best players in the world. Um, so he doesn't feel the undue risk of having to show it on back-to-back nights because there are no back-to-back nights in the postseason. Um, but I I just wonder about this whole thing of, is he also on some level testing the organization? Um, you know, Masai said it, we're going to be ourselves, we're going to be who we've always been. So mm-hmm. at what point um, does he test that to the point where, you know, let me see how far I can take it with these guys, you know? Mm-hmm. Um so with that, I wonder. I, I, I again, I think December 11th and 12th is an interesting date because um, that's a back-to-back <laughs> against the Clippers and the Warriors. Okay. Um, so I think that'll be interesting to see what he does because mm. um, you definitely want him to play in that Golden State game. Yeah, for uh, sure. For sure. So you know how much does he want to play in that Clippers game, right? Mm. Um, so I think that's an interesting date. So I, I think there is going to be a little bit of this back and forth between you know his personal goals and the team goals. Um, obviously, for one season, uh, the Raptors are going to do everything to satisfy those personal goals in the hope that he stays with the team long term. And I'm completely fine with that. But I just wonder if him also looking at this team and saying, this is where I want to be, is part of that also um, him evaluating, you know, they're willing to say no to me when they believe it's right you know yeah that's true that's a good point um do you think the rest of the team might feel some kind of way or do you feel like um because they've also been quite liberal about how much rest they've been giving like van vliet and delon right when they've had small injuries like so far like mm-hmm. it seems like they're going to be just conservative of everyone so i don't know but especially if if they're just straight up resting there's no injury it's just resting it's sort of load management as it's called um yeah like, do you think some people in the team might feel some kind of way? Um, I think I think here uh, it goes back to what you said before about it being a high leverage situation. Okay. So you know, say it, say it comes down to April and you're battling Boston or Milwaukee for the one seed, or right. you know, just seeding in general. Okay. And he chooses to sit out a game, mm-hmm. saying you know the seeding doesn't matter. Like as long as I'm there for that, you know, game one, game two, whatever, mm-hmm. will be okay. Um, that is where maybe, you know, you might get some pushback. Um, but at the same time, he's such a quiet guy, you know, who's really saying anything to him, right? He, even so far, um, just in the locker room from what I've seen, he just kind of does his own thing, right? And he's, yeah. <laughs> he's talking to Castleberry and that's about it. But mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, uh I think I think there is potential for it. I don't know if he'll let it get to that point. Again, this this is all part of just not knowing him very well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is something that we'll all just have to just wait and see and learn 
um, how he feels about it. I mean, and, and I'm sure he's also learning about his body and what what he's comfortable with, right? Like, how much of this is also just mentally getting through that barrier of, yeah, you know, sure. can push through this. I I can't push through this, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think there's some of that involved as well. Because um, even even when you look at um, the injury when it happened in Phoenix, like even though he got hurt initially, mm-hmm. he was running back to make the defensive play. That's true. And then, and, then, and then when Phoenix got the bucket, he was like, no, I'm out. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, in the moment, you could see him sort of push off on it. But um, I think he's very much focused on the long term. And maybe he does think that um, as much as I show uh, myself here in the regular season, I still need to show that I can be that A1 guy in the postseason as well. Right. Yeah. Like, He's like we just saw with a guy like DeRozan. No matter what you do in the regular season, your reputation can still take a hit in the postseason. Mm. Uh, Although so, I don't know, man. Sometimes all you need for your reputation is just to uh, go to the states and you become a legit dark horse candidate. Where previously, <laughs> when you won fifty nine games with a team as a number one guy, not really an MVP candidate. You know, what I mean, nothing. You know, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, yep. I mean, yeah, look, listen, we're going to be talking about quiet news like every single podcast. Like, it is what it is. It's, it's almost like an unhealthy obsession. And I think, like, even if you look at, like, different players' Instagrams, like, you go into the comments and it's, like, half the questions about Kawhi for, like, you know, on CJ Miles' page. And it's weird. You know what I mean? Like, it's just weird. <laughs> but that's just kind of what it is this year. It's going to be an ongoing thing all year. Um, one thing that Kawhi did say <laughs> leading up to this road trip, which we're going to talk about, um, was just that... Uh, you know, he was growing up. He was a fan of AI, which I think probably explains the, uh, the, the hair. Yeah, exactly, right. Yeah. But like, you know, what I mean, he's like, yeah, you know, I wasn't a fan of the Lakers, even though my family was. So he's like, yeah, it's like, all right, that's cute, that's cute. I wish he played too. I wish he played, but you know, it is what it but is. Did, but did you see the video that someone retweeted? What? Um, I think this was late last night or early this morning. Okay. Um, someone retweeted a video, um, from a few years ago, where he, he's like talking about the lakers and he's like yeah i was watching you know uh shack and the lakers and that's how i became a basketball fan oh okay <laughs> yo Kawhi, you gotta keep it consistent maybe he's lying for us you know that's kind of cute if he's lying for us yeah this is, yeah i mean that, that that's kind of better for us so yeah i guess so man I, I i don't know this whole thing is just too stressful let's just talk about real basketball the raptors are okay. gonna be on this four game road trip they've already started it off with the win over phoenix Pretty routine win, nothing really to say there. Um, I think the one thing that you want to look for on this road trip is just, um, I think I want to see how, if they can win games by uh, with their defense, uh, instead mm-hmm. of just like um, shooting the lights out and getting a win. Because I feel like the teams always shoot a little bit easier at home. The Raptors have... I think they scored over 100 in every single home game so far. Yep. Over 112 in every single home game. That's very impressive. Um, but I think uh, the defense has sort of been there for spurts, but then sort of not there for spurts. So I kind of want to see them win some games with their defense, especially if Kawhi is not going to play this Laker game. And who knows about the Jazz game. But, um, yeah, that's what I want to see. And also I want to see, like, you know, if they get to crunch time moments, like how the, can they how do they execute sort of um, – what some of the weaknesses are because right now we haven't really seen anything informative about the Raptors. I think it's you learn a lot more about your team when you lose, but the game they lost was to the Bucks without Kawhi. So and OG and uh, Fred and right. Delon yeah. played like two minutes. So um, yeah, yeah. I mean, what are you trying to see on this road trip? 
Uh, I think I think the progression of the bench again. I think now is a little thrown off with Kawhi start uh, Kawhi out of the lineup. Um, but you know we saw some positive signs with the bench against Phoenix. Uh, Van Vliet in that fourth quarter uh, was like a man possessed. He was yep. just uh, I forget who tweeted it, but it was like he turned into Kawhi. He was just like <laughs> snaring the ball out of people's hands. Yeah. Um, so that was great to see. Um, I know some people took issue with DeLon not seeing that much playing time, but I thought Phoenix had a ton of size out on the court, so I didn't think you could really go with the two-point guard lineup. Um, and even late, I, I think the only reason we saw Lowry and Van Vliet on the floor together was because Kawhi had to leave, mm. um, or else it was pretty much the same five uh, uh, that you were used to seeing closed games now. Um uh, uh, yeah, outside of the bench, now again, uh, we got to see if Kyle can con- continue to do what he's done. Um, he's on this incredible run. He's going to be matched up, um, I guess, tonight against Lonzo and Rondo. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> A lot of help defense being played. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Maybe like the playoffs, we'll see LeBron pick up the matchup. Um, but, I mean, who am I kidding? He doesn't play defense in the regular season. Um Besides that, I I think it's the same thing that you said. The defense uh, mm-hmm. on the road, right? I think last yeah. last year, um, I wrote this before the season began. Uh, against plus five hundred teams at home, they went nineteen and nine. But against plus five hundred teams on the road, they went nine and eighteen. And like their defensive rating just sh- shot up the charts, right? So that's something that they got to get better at. Obviously, it wasn't good against Milwaukee at all. Um, dribble penetration was a big issue in that game. Um, part of that is missing Kawhi and OG. Um, you have OG for this one. So, uh, the test is going to be again, to keep guys in front of them, allow surge to do what he does best, allow uh, at least make things easier for JV, um, and then get out in transition. So again, I, I'm with you is the defense. Can we see the defense travel? Yeah, for sure. And, um, the Laker game is going to be interesting. At the Jazz game, I, I'm not really worried about the Jazz just because I don't think they're very good offensively. Um, and, Donovan Mitchell's out. And Mitchell is out, exactly. And like Mitchell's kind of struggled to start the year anyway, but they just haven't looked that impressive offensively um, mm-hmm. basically all season. So I'm not too worried about that one. Um, but I'm actually weirdly like a little bit worried about the Kings game and also the Lakers game just because those two teams play really fast-paced, up-tempo. Um, and they share the ball real well like you know what i mean like so i don't know there's yeah. gonna be some challenges i think i mean obviously if they had Kawhi consistently for all these games it's way more informative than when you know when he's not there he's very important but yeah. um i don't know i guess there's a chance for other guys to uh to get some minutes and get some run one guy maybe to look for is is norm i think i don't, I don't want to jump the gun by saying norm is back or anything crazy like that because you know yeah. it's <clears throat> it's gonna take a little bit more to to get to that point but right He's he's shooting okay. His decision making is a little bit better. Yeah, it's, it's definitely it's encouraging. Very much much baby steps. He's nine of twenty from three right now, which is whatever. But that's forty five percent shooting, fifty percent from the field overall. Um, his defense, I think, is a little bit sharper than before. I feel like last year there was a lot of moments he became disconnected. He's not gambling for steals or blocks, but big physicals, going around screens. He's you know. He's he's doing what he's supposed to do out there. I mean, he he's fouling a little bit off the ball, but I mean, I feel like that's this year's uh, freedom of movement. I think everyone's fouls yeah. are up, but uh, yeah, maybe it's a chance for Norm to step up and do something. You know? Yeah, he's keeping it simple more often, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously CJ's slow start. 
has helped him stay out there on the floor. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, th- I think that ultimately um, is almost like a trump card for uh, Nick Nurse, right? Like if CJ can find his shot, it seemed like he found found it a little bit towards the end of that Phoenix game. Um, if CJ can find his shot, if Norm is decent from three and is giving you all these other things that he's giving you that CJ necessarily doesn't, um, when you're looking for that extra guy, you can choose now whether you want the shooting, whether you right. want the defense plus a little bit extra, right? Mm-hmm. So um, that just, I think pretty much that is what completes the roster. I, I think with the rest of the guys, you pretty much know what you're going to get. Um, and so that I think is sort of the wild card that, you know, in a playoff situation, something like that, where you're looking maybe for that little extra firepower, one of those guys can give it to you. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, we have a lot of Twitter questions, so let's just move ahead and just <laughs> predict some of the uh, – just make some predictions for the upcoming week because we just have tons of Twitter questions to get to. Um, right. First game – I mean, we we don't know what happens in this Laker game, but just um, on Monday the Raptors played a back-to-back in Utah uh, against the Jazz. Again, we don't know if Kawhi's in the lineup. Let's assume he's not. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think about this Jazz game? Um, I think the Raptors should be okay to win this. I think uh, the Mitchell factor helps a ton. Yeah. Um, and I think they've got <laughs> enough guys to manage Joe Ingles. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I think go- with Gobert, you start Jonas Valanciunas. It's not too yeah. bad a look. And J- so hey, JB's always done pretty decently against Gobert, I feel like. Yeah. 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 No, for sure. Yeah. And, I mean, again, uh the screening that he provides with his, uh, I mean, the spacing that he provides with his screens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's a big body, man. He's one of the strongest dudes in the league probably. And so that's just tough for Rudy to deal with. Um, yeah. So I, I would expect a win in that. Yeah. Although Rudy's playing well, man. The guy is shooting 72% for, for the sure. year right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he's also grabbing 13 boards a game in his usual defense. So he's a productive guy. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's a toss up really. Yeah, let's if assuming Kawhi is not there. If Kawhi plays, I think the Raptors win. But yeah. uh yeah, I think it's a bit of a toss up just because the Jazz also don't have Donovan Mitchell. But I mean it's always tough to play in Utah. It's it's never an easy game. Um Sacramento used to be an easy game. Yeah. May no longer be an easy game just because the Kings are surprisingly decent, although they got humbled a little bit by the Bucks. And uh oh, that's the actually thing I want to talk about, actually, the Bucks. But we'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, I mean uh, the Kings. I mean they should win, uh, but they should win. Um, they should win. Yeah, let's just end there. Yeah. They should win because <laughs> like, Jaron Fox in the games that the Kings have done well, Jaron Fox has been the motor of that team. Yeah. Um, but obviously, that's going to be a much bigger challenge going up against Kyle Lowry and Fred VanVleet and mm-hmm. Alon Wright. So um, <laughs> the Raptors have enough to neutralize that more than neutralize that yeah. uh so I, I would expect to win yeah i mean look the kings are way more competent than before um like fox is developing buddy heel is quietly developing but always liked him and his giant teeth um willie collie stein's talented they have five guys or they have four guys in the starting lineup uh that are shooting better than 50 percent from the field which is kind of crazy but they're just playing more up-tempo really i think if the raptors are more prepared for it and you know, it's not that long of a road trip. I think, yeah, they should be able to take that game as well. Um, circling back to that one thing I wanted to talk about, though, is just the rest of the teams in the Eastern Conference, right? We've seen enough from the Sixers who are going to lose to the Brooklyn Nets by double digits tonight. Right now, it's 112-89. to 89. Uh, 
You know, we see we the Raptors played the Sixers. The Raptors took down the Sixers as well. It seems like the right. Sixers took a step back, and the Celtics are more or less the same team, like a defensively gritty team that isn't that great offensively. Um, mm-hmm. But the the one challenger is the Bucks, who the Raptors saw up close. So, um, what are your thoughts on those three teams in terms of vying for tops in the East? So here's one thing I've been thinking about. You tell me where you stand on it. Okay. Um, so last year we saw, I thought a pretty decent shift in terms of um, how evenly the distribution is between offense and defense, right? I would say like a couple years before that, it was still, you know, maybe like 55, 45, but last year probably shifted to like 60, 40. You could see a big difference. Now I almost feel like it's 70, 30, um, which is why I think the Celtics and 76ers don't look as good. Mm. Um, Okay. Like the importance of having – like essentially being an offensive juggernaut has become paramount. And the 76ers to me just don't have the three point shooting. You look at the Celtics. I think, I think with them, it's mainly a hierarchy problem. I I think I've said this before. Mm. Uh, They just got to figure out, you know, who's going to have what role uh, and and then, you know, take better shots. They still take a lot of long twos. Um, They take a lot lot of bad shots, which they don't need to with their offense. Um, so I think that's a problem for them. And I think because of the way the league has shifted um, and, you know, you look at the way teams play now, everyone understands the shot spectrum. Not everyone shifted to it uh, over the last couple of seasons. But I think at this point, pretty much all the teams understand it. They're all trying to take the same shots. Um, except the Spurs. <laughs> except the Spurs. The, the Spurs are just, <laughs> no, we're going to take mid-range jumpers and get high efficiency shots and play defense. That's the same formula yeah. as ever. And yeah, and they're still doing their thing at six and two, which is unbelievable. Mm. Uh, but plenty of games to go. Um, but yeah, back back to what I was saying. So what you're seeing is um, you're still seeing the Celtics being able to defend because the principles in defending that type of shot spectrum are the same, right? You mm-hmm. need yeah. defenders that can switch. You need guys that can defend multiple positions. Uh, so those things are still fine for them. And for the Sixers too, to a certain degree, right? They mm-hmm. they do lack a bit of uh, athleticism when you look at you know shooting guards uh, like JJ Redick. When you look at someone like TJ McConnell, right. uh, they're lacking in that regard. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, what do you think of all that? <laughs> I mean, the Sixers, I completely agree with. Like, I just think people assume that because of their young talent, they're going to make a jump, but like. They none of the young talent actually changed their game fundamentally in a way that cha- like is a difference maker in terms of uh, you know how they will play right like and yeah. beats well, better around Sarge the margins. Has been a big disappointment. Well, so, yeah, exactly. Sarge is taking a step back. I'm not really sure about that one. I'm not really sure why that is. I think maybe it's because he has the ball much less than before because of Fultz. But like the whole <laughs> Fultz thing is a, is a huge conundrum and like. Um, I don't know what to think about it. Really, it's, it's clear that he still doesn't have his confidence. He might just become like an Anthony Bennett type, in which case, like you maybe look at this team without as much you know rose colored glasses as it was before. But I think it's the fundamental same issue, man. They still turn the ball over a ton, which we saw that against the Raptors. Like Ben Simmons turned yeah. it over eleven times. Um, Kawhi yeah. just you know harassing him up and down that the court. That boggles my mind. The fact that they 11. went through that postseason yeah. and haven't understood that they need to value possessions, offensive possessions, it's, like. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's also partially the system too. I think with uh, 
with um, Philadelphia because they they have to throw so many passes because they don't play like a traditional pick and roll at all. Like it's mm-hmm. always just like we'll dump it into the post with Embiid and then try to cut and then try to force tough passes, or it's like JJ Redick plays hot potato with the ball and comes around a bunch of dribble handoffs and shoots the ball. That's actually probably the way they're best at. But like, I mean, if CJ, if like JJ Redick's like your number one basically perimeter score like you're just not gonna be that good and they did lose some right. shooting from last year like Landry Shamit is not the same as uh, Marco Bellinelli and we saw Earl Sanana Silva I mean he's been really effective for the Bucks, and uh, they lost him too and Mike Muscala is not kind of that guy but not really that guy so Philly is like not really much of a concern for me. Like Boston, I think like they're just and always going to be good. If you're even going to try and maximize Masala, you got to play him at the five. You can't play him at the four and put him beat. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like I don't know why Amir Johnson's still in the rotation. I love Amir, but like that yeah. just makes full. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And of course, like the Fultz thing is such a big issue. The Celtics, like I think the Celtics, like all the players are a little bit too confident on offense. Like you mentioned, the hierarchy issue. Like I'm like, I see Jalen Brown coming on screens, like taking a long two. I'm like, what are you doing? Like your, your role is to be the fifth guy in the starting lineup. I'm sorry. Like you're overqualified for that, but that's your role. So just do that. Jalen Brown has not been good. Jason Tatum, you know, is hot and cold, but like one, one of the issues I think with this team is like, no one goes to the basket and like, no one really gets the free throw line there. 29th in free throw attempt rate, and like their leading guy is Jason Tatum at 3.8 per game. Um, you know, like that's just really low. Like, no, none of those guys really attack the basket. Kyrie's a guy who goes to the basket, but like he's never really been a guy who shoots a ton of free throws this year. He's not really doing that either. And like Gordon Hayward coming back from injury was supposed to be the difference maker, but like Hayward is he's he's slowly getting there, but he's not really fully getting there. And I don't really think he will get there by the end of the year. Like, I think. There is a huge confidence thing going on with him. Like, he's very afraid to go to the basket. His finishing is is down a ton as compared mm-hmm. to where it was before. He's not going to the free throw line at all. That's actually a guy who can actually get to the line, but he's just not doing it this year. Right. He's just, like, another guy, right? And if he's another guy and, like, Marcus Morris is the guy who's bailing you out night after night by being, like, really, really phenomenal. Marcus Morris has been great. Like, yeah. like the offense is just not going to be good. Their defense is great, so they're still going to win games, but... You know, like they're kind of the same team as we were last year, and then the Bucks are kind of scary. The Bucks are scary in the sense that, like, um, yeah. they're just disciplined and they run a play every single time down the floor. Like the biggest difference I'm seeing is not like with Giannis; it's like with the rest of the roster, right? Um, like Eric Bledsoe is doing a lot better in terms of just driving to the rim and um, you know actually <laughs> uh, taking good shots. He's also shooting a little bit better from three. Yep. Like, Lopez and Ilyasova aren't necessarily great in terms of their own personal production, but they're great in terms of, like, allowing them to play a style every single time down the floor. And, like, mm-hmm. they're consistent veterans that will run a play. And like, you see with their bench, man. Like, the Tony Snell was lighting the Raptors up, which I know happens all the time. But even Dante DiVincenzo, <laughs> who's a rookie coming in, uh, Pat Connaughton steps in occasionally, John Henson, like, these guys, they're all making plays because, like, they're really well coached. They run a play every single time down the floor. And so their bench can be effective. And then, like, I don't know. Man, defensively, I was thinking, about, much better, I was thinking about, uh, the half-court play just now, and I'm so glad you mentioned that. Like, so I just looked it up on cleaning glass. Yeah. Um, they've gone from scoring 96 points per 100 possessions in the half-court yeah. last season to 102 this season. That's nuts. <laughs> That's, that is incredible in yeah. efficiency in the half-court. Yeah, and, and they then, just, like, everything runs smoothly. They can do in transition, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Bud, Bud, Bud's doing a great job over there. I mean, that's probably why the Raptors wanted to hire Bud. 
Um, and then defensively, they, they, they're just playing like a very basic conservative defense where they don't let you drive into the rim at all. But like everyone Which is, is so ironic that strategy well. what they used to do. Well, yeah, that's true. And they were so ridiculously aggressive. Um, but this is what you do. Like This is what you do when right? you don't have real rim protection, right? Like you just like, you know, Brooke Lopez is not really a rim protector. And like Ursula Silva is not really a rim protector. John Henson, even not even really a real rim protector, right? So well, they just, like, collapse the paint. Yeah. yeah. And they've done a good job of that. They've also run people off the three-point line. You do that and you protect the basket. That's, like, the most quick and simple way to get to a good, like, uh, defense. And so they're not fouling a lot. I think they're lowest in the league in free throw attempt rate, like, to the opponents. So, like, it, it all signs point to a very good coach coaching job. And I think, like, Bud is, like, the runaway leader right now for coach of the year. Right. Yeah. No, the Bucks are scary, man. The Bucks are scary. I think... The one thing you can maybe do with the Bucks is, um, like, I think the Celtics did it best, which was just, like, let Giannis play you one-on-one, which obviously you need the defensive personnel to do that, unless he'll mm-hmm. because otherwise he'll get 50, and then just, like, play the rest of the guys straight up, because those guys are going to shoot and score, but, like, none of them are really going to be scoring that much that it, it kills you too much. You know, like how the Bucks were like, we'll let Ibaka have 30, but we're not letting Kyle Lowry score, and it's like, okay. Yeah. So yeah. it's, that's probably the game plan with the Bucks, uh, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't know, man. They're a scary team. Anyway, uh, we're gonna take a quick break right here, and then when we come back, we're going to take some Twitter questions. I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers. Is your insurance company forcing you to go back to work when your doctors say you can't? If this sounds familiar, look no further than my law firm. Visit GoldfingerLaw.com and get us working for you. All right, welcome back to the second half of the Raptors Weekly Podcast. Still here with Vivek. We are taking Twitter questions. And, uh, you know, we didn't do them in the previous two weeks, mostly because I'm lazy, that's all. Um, but, yes, these will continue going forward. <laughs> so, first one comes from Young One. A lot of the Lakers' issues comes when JaVale is off the floor. There's no rim protection. What do you see them uh, with Tyson Chandler being added to the mix and whose minutes are going to sacrifice? Okay, we're getting a Lakers question. That's cool. Um yeah, I mean, what do you think Tyson Chandler is going to do for this team? Dwayne Casey must be real jealous. Tyson Chandler is like one of Dwayne Casey's <laughs> favorite players. Yeah, man, got that championship. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think the one thing when you look at the numbers the Lakers have put up with Javale McGee on the floor, mm-hmm. um, like he's been good, and I think it's just the value. Like they don't necessarily have um, spacing in terms of three-point shooting so how else can you get it you can get it through good screens uh so if you can get that from mcgee if you can get that from tyson chandler that's another way to open up room on the court um and you look at you know lebron his ability to manipulate the pick and roll um i think that's a little thing that can help because right now you know it's either they're going to kuzma or lebron at the five because of mcgee's success now they've started running zubach out out there um so I think he'll add that aspect of it. And then obviously he's just going to be a rim runner. And, you know, LeBron, I'm sure we'll find him for lobs here and there. Maybe Lonzo too. But, uh, yeah, I think I think above all that on-court stuff, it's going to be the leadership that he brings uh, off the court as well, right? Like, yeah, you've got, you've got a bunch of these crazy guys. So <laughs> There's a lot well of get... knuckleheads on this team. That... <laughs> yeah, so you yeah. might as well have someone that, you know, can keep it uh, – Keep them mellow. Teach teach the young guys the the right habits and um, just keep things professional, right? 
And yeah. who's there before and, uh, you know, knows what it takes to win a championship. Not not, not saying that these guys are going to compete for a title, but get them into those winning habits. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, you look at the Lakers right now, they're 27th in defensive rebounding percentage. I think Tyson Chandler is going to help them with that. Just because, like, they don't have to play a 6A guy in Jonathan Williams, um, yep. who's purely out there for his hustle. And I think he's actually had some really nice moments, but, like, that's not really the guy. Um, I think the the one thing that, like, where Chandler might find minutes, and I don't think Chandler's going to play more than, like, 10 to 15 minutes, but, um, yeah, you might see some minutes reduced from Kuzma and some minutes reduced from Ingram because um, they just have to cut out those small ball lineups, man. Like, Kuzma at the five is ridiculous. And then LeBron playing five is, like, he plays the five, like, for, like, at most 10 possessions a game. At most. Yep. And it's, like, only in the fourth quarter. And, like, occasionally he'll be like, oh, fine, I'll have to box out Yusuf Nurkic or whoever. But he hates doing it. And I think that's probably why he wanted to go get a center. I mean, beyond the fact that this team needs a center, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, you, let's say you take, like, three minutes off JaVale because he probably won't play like this all year. And you take, yep. like, three minutes from Kuzma, like, three minutes from Ingram. And then you take out all of Jonathan Williams' minutes. Like, I think you probably get to 15 at that point. And that's probably where you play uh, Tyson Chandler. Um Next one. Man, before you go to the next one, yeah. Man, the, just watching this game right now is just crazy. Like, well, what would you say if I told you three years ago <laughs> Terrence Ross would be wearing an Orlando Magic jersey and De- DeMar DeRozan would be wearing a San Antonio jersey and going going up against each other? Oh, man. <laughs> we'll finally know who's the better shooting guard. I, I, I felt like for a while in like 2015, it was there's some thought that Terrence Ross might uh, might be that guy. What's DeMar doing? 23 points? Okay. I feel like, yo, the one thing with DeMar right now, like, going off sidetrack, is just, like, I think people are being a little bit disingenuous with, you know what I mean? Like, people are like, man, you know, all DeMar really needed was to get with a coach like Popovich who really knows how to use mid-range players. And, like, I'm like, what? What? So all the criticism that you guys have all been making of DeMar all of a sudden disappeared because the Spurs went 6-2 and two to start the year. Right. With some very, very close games. Which, you know, DeMar has been good in those close games. But, like, we're just going to sweep everything under the rug because of a hot start. I mean, we never seen DeMar start hot for a season before. You know what I mean? But has been uh, a regular season king. He really is a regular season king. He's a, the thing is, I'm not even saying like, it's like against the Raptors. What I'm saying is like, DeMar has always been good, man. Like, like yeah. basically, once he started to learn how to dribble, which was like at the end of 2015, once he learned how to dribble, he was a really good player and he's been a good player and he's been steadily improving. So like to be like, wow, he got to San Antonio and now he's good. It's like, what are you talking about? He's 29 years old. He's been to the all-star game like four times. Like he's been on yeah. team USA. Like he, he's a good player. Anyway, um, wishing DeMar the best for sure. Um, you know, despite making jokes about him on Twitter and stuff, it's always love with DeMar. Um, <laughs> all right, let's move Back on. Back to the Twitter questions. This one from chicks dig the lawn ball. Okay, nice. It's, all right. Um, what's the deal with DeLon Wright's minutes? Well, it's very on brand. <laughs> what's the deal with DeLon's minutes? He's been hurt, I guess. That's what, what, what else is, what else is there to say? Yeah. No, I mean, he's been hurt. Yeah. Um, you know, that groin stuff can be tricky, so you got to just wait it out. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, the Phoenix thing, I, I thought, I thought it was a size thing. I, I, I didn't think you could really go with the two point card lineup, even though, you know, I know DeLon, is a bigger guy that can defend multiple positions, but I, I I thought they had some strong guys there. So and you know what, Norm was playing really well. Like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Even CJ hit some shots. You know, like that's yeah. what you like. You play CJ, sort of hoping that like you just knowing that he's not gonna be good defensively. Like he's just gonna be absolute dog shit. But like 
he might hit some threes. And so for that probability, that's why you play him. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, I felt like DeLon could have got some run, but he didn't. I thought DeLon actually played pretty well in those seven minutes in the first yeah. half. But, he'll be fine. Uh, he'll be I'm fine. Not, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see more of the law on the road trip. Yeah. Uh man. Ike Jones asked, should we be concerned about Kawhi's commitment to the Raptors if he sits tonight against the Lakers? Here's the thing. Kawhi has not actually said any specific commitment to the Raptors. He said he's gonna play this season, and like that's what he's done. And when he's yeah. played, he's been good. But like he's gonna be cautious with injuries. I it, I feel like I should just like clip that audio and just play it over and over again because I feel like people are gonna ask us all the time. If you wanted loyalty, you know, you probably could have kept Demar, who's as healthy as anybody when it comes to, yeah. you know, not missing games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, it is what it is. You just got to focus on this season, mm-hmm. make the most of it, and then deal with the summer when it comes. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Edgar asks, "Why do you think Ibaka is playing so much better this year?" I like this question. He's playing the position he should have been playing last year. <laughs> Yo, that's you know what's funny? Like I remember t- when we traded for Ibaka in 2017, like there was articles right after the Raptors re-signed him. It was like, I want to play center. I think my best position is at center. And it's like, okay. Yeah. And it's like we all kind of agreed then. It was like, well, he might not be able to rebound well, but that's probably where he's going to be best. Yeah. And it just took him a while to actually get to this point where he's playing center. I think he's involved yeah. in more actions. When you're the center, you're way more involved both ends of the floor than when you're the power forward. That's And I think it's also taken him back to like you know his roots mm. uh per se, you know, yeah. like blocking shots, being on the inside protecting the paint and yeah. you know, he, when he first came in the league, he wasn't a big jump shooter. He was finishing inside. Yeah. Um so I think this is where he truly enjoys playing, um where he really gets his energy from. Um, like you look at him after the box, even, you know, when he's finishing plays inside, I feel like he gets more energy from that from than say, you know, making a pick and pop jumper. Yeah. Yeah. And look, the one thing that's really been impressive right now is offensive rebounding, man. I can't believe like he has energy to offensive rebound right now. Like it's, um, going by his per minute rates right now, he's at 3.2 offensive rebounds per 36 minutes which is the highest rate of his career since 2013. Like, yep. that's impressive. It really is. So he's really gone back to that level. Like, the shot blocks are not as high as they once were, but, like, I think the way he's protecting the basket right now has been really effective. The Raptors have been really good with Ibaka protecting the basket. They could use a little bit more help rebounding, but, you know, that's mm-hmm. not really his strength defensively. Um, but everything else, he's done really well. And I just think, yeah, he's just involved in more plays. He's the one rolling to the rim. He's the one that's you know at the at the back waiting to to help off the center and and, and block the shot. He's the one that's um, going for the offensive rebound without you know too much concern about coming back immediately on defense. Like he's just free you know to do more of his game. What? One of the things that's impressed me is him catching the ball on the roll, mm. making the spin, and finding the guy in the corner. He's doing a little bit more of that this year. Yeah, yeah. Because last year he was just a black hole. He never yeah. passed the ball last year. This year, he and, still doesn't pass the ball too much, but he can make one or two reads for sure. Yeah, and you know, one thing I, I I do feel like he got a bit of the short end of this stick on that in terms of the criticism, where like I think you had to look at what he's done his entire career. You know, playing with Kevin Durant and Russ, mm-hmm. playing with Kyle and Demar with the way the offense was. Suddenly, after all those years, you're asking this guy to just change on the fly. 
Now, a bunch of the Raptors were able to do it. That doesn't mean everyone should be able to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And now I think you're slowly seeing that transition and him getting it. Um, and, yeah, hopefully everyone's on board and everyone seems to be rowing the boat in the same direction. Yeah. No one has said trade Ibaka in a long time. It's it's truly a difference this year. Um, <laughs> some some questions about former Raptors, about Bebe and guys like Eric Montrose. I'm going to skip those two. Um, okay, what about P. Kelly? Whose production on a nightly basis is more valuable to the team's success, JV's or Ibaka's? And do you agree that Dwight, uh, that Nick Nurse looks like Dwight from The Office? Come on. I don't think he looks like Dwight from The Office, man. Come on. That's that's really rude. No. Nick Nurse is glowed up. All right. Don't deny Nick Nurse is glowed up by calling him Dwight. Like, come on. Um, yeah. But I JV mean, or Ibaka? Definitely, Nurse definitely glowed up his wardrobe. Yes. Like, Yo, he pulled out that maroon suit. like a coach. Yo, that was, <laughs> he was looking fly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, between Serge and Jonas, who is whose production is more important on a nightly basis, um, I'm gonna go with Serge just because he is the guy that when he's when everything's clicking on both ends, that's the guy that you want closing the game. Um, more often than not, there might be very matchup specific nights that you want Jonas in there uh, to deal with maybe some extra size, uh, but. More often than not, I think Serge is the guy that can sort of fit in with the rest of, uh, you know, when you go with the four smaller guys uh, better. Yeah, I agree. I think the way to put it is, like, JV is probably more important for the first three quarters, and then Ibaka is more important for the fourth quarter. Um, Right. Just because I think, like, the Raptors offensively crunch time, like, they have enough scoring with Kawhi. Like, Kawhi is just such a good isolation scorer that, like, you just give it to Kawhi and then, like, that's your offense. And it, it's going to yeah. be fine. The issue is, like, can you defend the Although other that way? can kind of go both ways, though. Yeah. Like, you know, if the, if the Raptors are holding a decent lead, then, you know, you've got Jonas who more often than not is going to help you close out that defensive possession with the board. That's He's going to help you maintain the offensive flexibility with his screens. Um, so, yeah, it can kind of bo- go both ways. If only you can mold them into one player, you know? <laughs> the true two-way player that the Raptors have always missed in the front court since Chris Bosh left. Uh, all right, Killer Pascal asks, who's a better fit with the starters, OG shooting and gravity or Pascal's playmaking? Man, this is one I go back and forth on yeah. so much. Like, I don't know if there's a right answer, at least right now, Um just because it hasn't been that much time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the unit with Ibaka and Siakam uh, has played really well together, with the rest of those starters, has played really well. Um, and then I assume uh, Nurse's thinking with the second unit is, okay, if you have OG there, then that allows you to have JV there because he'll give you that boost in rebounding, right? Um, yeah. You might get hurt even more on the glass if you start OG at the four. Uh, and Siakam at the, I mean, sorry, and uh, Ibaka at the five. Um, so, uh, I, I I see the logic in what Nurse is doing. I I think he's right uh, in terms of how he's going about it. Um, in terms of the rebounding, so I probably give the edge to the way it is right now with Siakam and Ibaka as opposed to OG. Yeah, um, I I also think that like, look, it, it might we might be overthinking a little bit. Like Pascal's just playing much better than OG right now. Right, like obviously OG's been in and out of the lineup, um, 
But like, still, right. Pascal's just playing better, so he's going to start. Like, it's it's like an easier sell that way. I think there have been games where situationally, what it calls for is like another guy who's spacing the floor at the four rather than someone who can do what Pascal does. And I think like the Celtics game right. is a good example of that where. Celtics were really limiting penetration, um, and then second half, you know, it was OG that played a little bit more than Pascal did because they were just straight up ignoring Pascal, and at least OG could keep a defense honest. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of pick and choose. But right now, I think Pascal's playing so well. Like, you, regardless of whether or not Jonas or Ibaka's in there, like, Pascal's just done his thing so far. And so, you know, you got to ride it out with Pascal, man. He's 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 doing great. Plus, your username is Killer Pascal. Like, you know, that's your guy. That's your guy. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta pick up your own guy. Um, some other questions. Do you think Masai should have hired Budenholzer instead of Nick Nurse, given how much better the Bucks' offensive schemes look? I think they tried to. I don't think he had a choice, right? Yeah, yeah. I think they tried to, but Budenholzer had breakfast with you know um, Chris Middleton and Giannis, and decided he had to spend his life in Milwaukee. Which I honestly thought the Raptors meeting was a leverage play to try and get more money from the Bucks. Mm. Okay. Like when you're looking at the situation back there, uh, like back then, you're looking at it before Kawhi came. You're looking at a situation where the team had already won 59 games. And had LeBron joined the Lakers yet? I think. Uh. I think he. Um, but yeah, you're looking at a situation where there wasn't much more opportunity to go, right? Like. Mm-hmm. There was a lot more room for you to be criticized for falling short than for, to go up, right? With the Bucks, you look at that situation. You know, you get to coach a guy like Giannis. You you have all the upside of you know what the team was really lacking. Uh, you know what you've done in Atlanta. You're looking at that. You can bring that over. The Raptors already changed over their offense, so it wouldn't have looked completely different. Um, so I think there was more opportunity for him to look like a complete star like he is now going to Milwaukee. Mm. Yeah, good point. Um, also, I think he just wanted to coach Giannis. You know what I mean? Like, at the time, it was like, I yeah. can either coach Giannis or I can coach Larry and DeRozan. Like, I think if he knew Kawhi was coming on the team, he was like, well, I've coached Kawhi before in San Antonio. I'll probably come over here. But, yeah, I don't know. He, he made the right choice, I think. Yeah, everyone's happy, man. Yeah. Milwaukee's happy. Toronto's happy. San Antonio's happy. Hey, man. <laughs> Nick Nurse, I mean, all things being equal, he looks better than Bud does. So imagine you had to see Bud every single time, man, with his. Uh, oh, Bud. <laughs> Bud. Bud just, he just constantly looks like he's having an allergic reaction. Like, I, I don't know what's going on. Like, he, like, maybe try a Claritin or something. But um, anyway, uh, next one from Josh. Well, I think the Raptors' current jerseys are the best they've ever been. Would you be interested in a logo rebrand? Maybe even just reverting back to the original logo. Here's the thing with the logo thing. I don't think the Raptors in their current management want to make, um, want to cast too many aspersions to the past. I think this whole era of Raptors fandom is like, or this whole era of Raptors management is like, we are not the old Raptors. We are legit. And so when you put a big dinosaur back on the thing and you're like, hey, this is what we are before, it kind of undercuts that message. Whether that's mm-hmm. better stylistically or not, you know? Yeah, I think the way they've branded and you look at the We the North, mm. uh, I, th- I think everything is headed in a positive direction right now. Um, I, I don't see any reason to change 
I think in the in the real dog days, I was debating, you know, it might be worth it as part of the rebrand to just go back to the Huskies. Right. Because, um, I mean, let's face it, those jerseys were fire. So um, that that's something that I thought about back then. But right now, I think with the way everything is set up, the, you look at the brand recognition, the way I think teams and players look at the organization now, mm-hmm. I think everything's in a good place. So I don't see any reason to change. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry, when they get the when they get the brand integration of you know how the Raptors basketball is just like a claw imprint on the, the ball. The Kawhi claw? Yeah, yeah, you just like seamlessly put the Kawhi claw on the basketball and you're like, wow, yep. it fits perfectly. You know what I mean? We were we were mm-hmm. gaming for Kawhi from a long time ago, you know? Light years, baby. <laughs> um Okay, this one from Jorge. Since we agree that regular season wins are relevant, you know, assuming 58 to 60 and number one or two seed, should we be planning to scheme uh, and habit for Golden State slash Milwaukee slash Boston? Um, you know, his, his his idea there is like, you know, how last year Houston spent the entire season yep. practicing a switching scheme with the intention mm-hmm. of the battle of Golden State. Do you think the Raptors should do that for Golden State and Milwaukee and, and Boston? Um, I don't know if that's necessarily effective. You don't want to change uh, anything for Boston other than how you play offense. Yeah. I, I mean, not that it's not effective. Obviously the Rockets went all the way to game seven and we're up in game six and game seven and a half. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think, I think the way Nick nurse is going about it right now is, is a good way where you're trying different things. You, you look at the Raptors with being able to do different things. I think that is something that should be able to continue into the postseason. You want guys being comfortable with whatever Nick Nurse calls for. Um, I don't want them to be rigid in their defensive schemes, uh, even though switching is obviously effective when you're trying to deny this type of shot spectrum. Uh, I think it is good to be able to throw different looks at Golden State. I mean, this goes all the way back to uh, when the Mavs beat uh the heat right and you look at for them the key was throwing as many different types of defenders at lebron james and you know they were able to throw guys you know from sean marion to jason kidd at him so i think that's the advantage that the raptors have and i think they should just play to it yeah i agree i think honestly the one thing the raptors need to do more of is like making sure that dynamic offensively i think um Defensively, they're they're pretty solid. Like if they want to switch, they can do that. If they want to play traditional, they can do that. Like they have the personnel, especially on the wings, to basically play whatever style you want them to do right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm not too worried about that. Like the only thing I, I think about is like offensively, are the Raptors dynamic enough? Um, where you know in the playoffs they're gonna send two guys hard at Kawhi, and they're gonna do what the Bucks did, which was just like you know what we'll see if Serge can get 30, and we'll live with that. But Kawhi's not getting 20 or Kyle's not getting 20. And so yep. you need to have different ways to play offense. Like I'm thinking with Boston, for example, right? Although their offense is not overall very productive, it's very hard to limit them to have a bad game unless they're all shooting really poorly, which happens to everybody. But like, it's just very hard for them to have a bad game because um, they can have so many points in the offense that they play through. They can play through Tatum for a while, and that changes the complexion of their offense. They could play through Al Horford. They play pick-and-pop offense with Al Horford. They can do that. They could just go through Kyrie and have him do whatever he does. They can go through Marcus Morris even and have him basically run the offense. There's just different ways you can like position the offense with the Celtics where you can still generate buckets from a you know possession-to-possession basis, whereas with the Raptors, we kind of just play like the same style against everybody. 
and like it's mm-hmm. it's great. We have great talent, and we win a lot. But like, I want to see that kind of dynamism. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I want to see games where you know we're really oriented to playing through the big men, and those guys are the guys that are really dictating the possessions for us. Games where it's really about you know two point guards and, and I mean them attack, or like if it's Kawhi, we know Kawhi can attack. You know that's not really an issue. So just being dynamic. So I even think even Milwaukee is starting to do a little bit more of that where they can have moments where they just you know give it to Eric Bledsoe and let him do his thing. It's not very good, but he could do it. Like Middleton could run his show a little bit, and Giannis can run his show. But like they can also play through the bigs a little bit too. Like those teams that are more dynamic and play different styles are always you know better off in the playoffs. So. Yeah, no, I, I think at the end of the day, uh, with the Raptors, to sort of just round out your point, it's it's about taking initiative, right? So when Kawhi gets double teamed and then kicks it out to Siakam or Ibaka on the roll, they have to recognize that, you know, from there on, it's on them to go about and continue the offense and keep it in the flow, not just sort of switch off and say hey Kawhi come back and take the ball you know yeah. I think that's that's something that's been a problem in the past um and that's that that is sort of the advantage that you were describing with Boston right where if they kick it out to a Gordon Hayward or uh, a Jason Tatum or Kyrie they're gonna go right away right they, they have all the confidence in the world that they can go out and get their shot so is Ibaka gonna be just as comfortable um you know picking and popping without any indecision or just rolling to the basket and uh, finishing the way he has, or, you know, Siakam going to that, you know, lefty or righty spin move, right? Those are the things that you want to see carry over into the postseason. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then the last question, basically there's someone else that asked about JV and talked about how if JV gets enough touches, he can be an all-star stardom. Um uh, seldom determined by defense anyway thoughts and then there's also someone else Tank Nation Raptors who asked JV and DeLon are being marginalized under Snurse why not play Surge and JV together at least a few minutes per game otherwise JV is destined to be 18 minutes a game he's begging for Casey back at this point in which case I'm like yo at what point are people ever going to be happy with the way JV's used like ever but just accept the fact that like he's like a premium Enos Cantor you know what I mean like, yeah, I mean, I think people get so attached to man. one player where it's understandable because he's been here so long. But at he's the same time, too. if it, yeah, great guy. Yeah. Um, so I think at a certain point, you just got to understand what is best for the Raptors trumps what's best for Jonas Valanciunas, yeah. right? Like, um, so if this is what's working for the Raptors, I'll, I'll admit it, it is a bit curious that. For all the talk of the flexibility and versatility that we haven't had any kind of look at Serge and Jonas together, right? Especially considering how often we saw them together last season. I, right. I thought with the injuries, there were a couple of games where um, it would have actually made sense. Uh, you know, even that Milwaukee game mm-hmm. um, where, you know, with all the absences, maybe you're trying to get a bit more scoring in that uh starting unit so why not do it right so um it is a bit curious that for all the talk of experimentation that that is the one thing that seems to be a hard no Mm -hmm. at least up to this point um but who knows yeah maybe i'll ask uh, ask, uh coach nurse that question next time i'm there you know if Mm. if there if if he does see a time and place for it uh, in the future yeah i mean one thing is like they just haven't had to play against a lot of these like big front courts where the matchup might be more favorable for it, right? Like first right. off, you're starting Siakam every single game. So like 
Siakam is already another big out there. So you don't really need a second big necessarily. Like, yeah, I wouldn't say, like, JV's been great, but I don't think he's playing better than Siakam to, like, knock off some of his minutes. Like, I think situationally it, it might be interesting and, I don't know, maybe there have been games like the Bucks game. Like, but even if you put JV and Ibaka both in the Bucks game, like, what are you really doing? Like, Ibaka got most of his buckets rolling to the rim. You can't do that with JV mm-hmm. in the in the game, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, JV was having a terrible game in that Bucks game. So, like, um, I, I don't really know about that one. But I, I just think that, like, yeah. look, it's... And that it's, was interesting, too, because they mm-hmm. did announce Jonas as the starter in that one, right? Yeah. And then it was that came out and started. So that that was a bit curious, too. Yeah. Um, the I think the one thing with JV right now is that like he's been so much more productive in limited minutes that like mm-hmm. I wonder if you might have some diminishing returns if you play him more minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's the thing, right? Like in terms of the Raptors being at their best, yeah, is this whole of where you're getting twenty four and twenty four from your in terms of minutes, mm-hmm. if that forty eight minutes of production that you're getting out of those two. Yeah. How much is it marginalized if it shifts, you know, to 30 and 18 or, or, or you know, or from them just being together? You know, how much are you taking away from what they're able to do individually with those other four guys? Yeah. Um, And I think the, the honestly, the dynamic here is kind of the same as before. Right. The Raptors have a lot of scoring on the perimeter. And so what they need their big men to do more than anything else is defend. And between the two of them. Ibaka is a better defender than JV. And so the difference might just come down to when they need someone to close the game, they're probably going to be more likely to go to Ibaka. Although they've closed the game with Valanciunas as well. So um, I don't know. I think it's also partially based on matchups. I think maybe the one thing you might want to look for in terms of just like um, like Nick Nurse's sensibilities in the sense that like who is the guy that's JV supposed to be guarding? Is it purely the role guys? Or if it's, is it also a guy like Brooke Lopez who can shoot the three, but really isn't um, a prolific three-point shooter necessarily? Um, and who is someone JV can go up against? Because, you know, there have been some games where I'm like, yeah, I could have started JV instead of Ibaka over this one, but, mm-hmm. you know, right? They've, they've kind of just mostly gone with Ibaka, so. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we're we're still learning Nick Nurse's habits too, right? So yeah. it's going to come along. We'll we'll all figure this out. Um, you know what he prefers to do, um, and so far, I mean, you, you can't, can't complain really about the center about production eight and at all, one. <laughs> it's like, good. It's all good. It's it's all good for the Raptors. It exactly. might not be. It, it might not be. You know the A plus scenario for Jonas to make the All Star team, but. I'm pretty sure if you asked Jonas Valanciunas, hey, would you sacrifice uh, an all-star appearance for a championship? I'm pretty sure I know what he's picking. Yeah. Also, the Raptors are getting 30 points and 14 rebounds from the center position right now with JV and Ibaka both shooting over 52%. It's pretty good, man. It's pretty good. You can go around the league and look at their center production. I'm pretty sure most of them don't stack up to 30 points and 14 rebounds with 52% shooting. You know, Yo, do you know Brooke Lopez is averaging three rebounds a game? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah yeah. I mean, he's he, honestly like he boxes out. He boxes out like basically every single play, and he just lets whoever else get it. He doesn't actually care to jump. Basically, I respect it a little bit to be honest, because like he's shooting six threes a game. Yeah, that's basically all he's doing. Like he he doesn't yeah. go inside at all. It doesn't really <laughs> pass either. Like he's just. 
I don't know. He's turned into this weird Channing Fry figure. Like it's, it's it's super weird. This is the NBA now, you know. Like Brook Lopez yep. was JV essentially. Like JV Brook Lopez was JV without rebounding, and now he's, you know, like if JV wants to be uh, still like a starter by the time he's thirty years old, he's got to shoot as many threes as. Uh, <laughs> As, as Brooke Lopez. I'm serious. It's, it's going to be like that. Like, this is the whole league right yeah. now. So. Yeah. No, it's true. All right, man. Let's uh, let's call the pod here. Let's, you know, go and watch that Lakers game without Kawhi. Yep. Bit of a bummer, but, you know, whatever. Um, as always, follow Vivek on Twitter. Um, at Vivek M. Jacob. And uh, what do you want to plug, man? What do I want to plug? I'll be doing the recap for the Lakers game. Tonight, okay. Um, okay. so you can find that on Raptors Republic. Okay, and then, yo, by the way, one that, thing, yo, people stop complaining about how quick the quick reaction goes up, man. Yeah, just relax, <laughs> okay? Just relax. People got real lives to like live and stuff, man. Sometimes it takes a long time to write five hundred words. I'm telling you, it's not very easy to write five hundred words in like twenty minutes. I promise you that. Stop complaining <laughs> about it, man. Seriously, just talk to each other in the comments and then wait for the grades to go up and then complain about JV's minutes. Just like, just, just have some perspective. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> It's nuts, man. People were slandering everybody. I'm like, yo, relax. It's just a quick react, man. Just, <laughs> god damn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Blake just set the standards way too high, man. Exactly. Exactly. Just, just, yeah, that news. I mean, we're trying our best. That's Look, all we're doing better have. than Cleveland when they lost LeBron, okay? We're not, at least we're not on that level. We're still doing okay, but, yeah. you know, it's it's an adjustment period. We're giving you what we got. It's, it's a miracle that we still have 905 coverage. Hey, man. Hey. Lewis is doing his thing. Yo, shout out to him. Yeah. He's killing it, man. He's awesome. There we go. Um, but, yeah, other than that, uh, you know, I'll have my biweekly stuff for The Athletic and uh, try to do what I can for Sportsnet. Yeah. And, yeah, just, oh. you know, you follow, follow me on Twitter and you can catch all of it. Yo, one thing we also got to plug. Uh, yeah. Hoop Talks, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're, on, you're on the panel, right? <laughs> that would feel kind of awkward. Yeah, yeah. My, 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 this is going to be my first appearance. Oh, okay, good. No, don't worry, man. Don't worry. We've, we've now become diversity voices, so we're going to be on all of these. <laughs> <laughs> Every time, they're going to be like, yo, we have to get these guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Come go, yeah. come out and see hoop talks, man. <laughs> come out and see hoop talks. Although pro t- November twenty eighth. Yeah, pro tip. Um, I don't know if the promo codes are going to be out yet, but if you wait long enough, there will be promo codes, and I think you'll save like five bucks off the ticket. So, you know, I uh, also think it's there's a discount for uh, the athletic subscribers. Oh, that's right. Okay. Or free even. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay, but I I know for sure I, that there is some kind of discount, uh-huh. or it might even be completely free. But okay. check that out for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. All right, man. Thanks for doing the pod. Thanks for having me. All right. And uh, listeners, we'll catch you next week. Mm-hmm.